Thanks for tuning in to the Crew at UGA podcast. We are so glad to have you with us. Crew exists to call students to know God, grow in their faith, and go to the world. If you would like to get more connected with Crew at UGA, or if we can help you in any way at all, go to the show notes and click on the link, or follow us on Instagram at Crew at UGA. All right, let's get started. What's up? My name's Flint Lovett. Yes, that is my name. I did not choose it, but it's mine. Um, so, we are in our series, God's Playlist. And so the whole point of this series, Kyler kicked us off last week, and it's focused on the book of Psalms. And the whole point of this um, series is to show the different aspects of God's character, as well as to help us to experience God, not only with our hearts, but with our minds, too. That's what the Psalms are for. It's a, it's a, as Kyler said last week, the Psalms is a mirror of the soul. And so I'm going to pray for our time, and we're we'll going to get into Psalm 67. Yeah, Lord, pray that you are magnified and glorified tonight. We pray that you would meet us here in this time, Lord, that you would, yeah, fill me with your spirit, Lord, um, that I would not speak anything else except apart from what you would have me say. I pray that you would use me, a broken vessel that I am, to glorify yourself. Praise all in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right. So, I started out last time I talked with a word. We're starting off again with another word. But this time it's happier. Babies. Right? You're like, okay, where are you going, Flint? So if I say the word babies, what do you think? Are you, you know, do you love babies? Do you think they're cute, like with their shoes, and with their little noses? They're really, really cute. Or do they honestly terrify you? Are you know, are you like, I have no idea how a baby works. I cannot change a diaper. Don't, please don't put a baby near me. Um, the reason I bring them up is because at Emory, there was a psychologist there who did this paper um, in 2010 they published on the development of babies. And so we know babies really love things. They really love saying mine, right? Well, did you know that apparently babies are able to possess things by the age of two months. Instead of two years, instead of saying mine, 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 they can, through their actions, uh, have ownership of things. And so, you know, when we typically think of babies and the desire for things, um, we think we would outgrow our desire for ownership. You think We would think we would be less selfish with our things as we grow older. But that's not really the case. As we get Older, we still stay the same. We still are selfish in our gifts, in our talents, in our resources, in our relationship. Um, we're just like babies with our stuff. We complain when we don't get our way, and we cry when things don't go according to our plans. Um, but the psalm we're going to be in today addresses this. It addresses our selfishness. We'll see that we've been given these different things. We've been, we've been blessed with talents. We've been blessed with, with resources to be a blessing to others. We'll see that God desires the nations to glorify him, and so that we should use all that we can and do all we can to share him with the world. Um, we've been blessed to be a blessing. So I'm going to be reading Psalm 67 for us. It's on screen if you don't have it or have a Bible with you. So Psalm 67, picking up in verse 1. It's a short psalm. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us, so that your ways may be known on earth. Your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. 
for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us still. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. So that's Psalm 67. Seven short verses. And we're going to break it up into three parts. Because there's three stanzas in these verses. And so what a stanza is, is just a paragraph for a, a psalm. And so the author of this psalm, which is referred to as a psalmist, that's how we'll be referring to him later on, uh, that's who wrote this psalm. There are three groups in this psalm. There is God, there's Israel, which is the chosen people of God, and there's the nations. And so God is the focus of this psalm. Uh, he's, he has more attention than Israel, and he gets more attention than the nations. And so this entire psalm is centered on God. Um, and so I want to open up our, our time with looking at the opening prayer in verse 1. Um, and so there's three aspects of this prayer that the psalmist is praying. And so just as Kyler told us last week, psalms are not only songs, so they can be sung, but they're also prayers, and they can be prayed. And so the first aspect is that the psalmist prays for God to be gracious to Israel. He prays, he prays to God to bless Israel, and he prays for God to make his face shine on Israel. And so we're going to define each one of these aspects of this prayer. And so the first one is gracious to Israel. And so when we hear the word grace, uh, we have a tendency to confuse it with mercy. And so grace and mercy are very different. They're not the same thing. Um, and so I'm going to use another analogy um, for grace versus mercy. And so say I'm having a bad day, and for some reason I punch someone in the face. Just walk up, punch a random guy on the street. That's, I hope I never do that, but if I did... I hope they would extend me mercy. And so mercy is a punishment that's been withheld. And so if I punch them, instead of punishing me by calling the cops or punching me back, they do nothing. They just, like, forgive me. That's mercy. I deserve a punishment, and they withhold that punishment from me. Grace, on the other hand, is, say, I punch them in the face, and they say, man, Flint, that hurt. You want lunch? I'll, I'll pay for you. Like, come on, let's go get some lunch. Um, that's a gift that I don't deserve. And so rather than withholding a punishment, they give me something that I didn't deserve. I deserve to be punished, and yet they buy me lunch. And so that's what grace is. Grace is a punishment, or mercy is a punishment withheld, and grace is a gift undeserved. The second aspect of this prayer is that the psalmist asks for God to bless Israel. And so this can be a material blessing as well as a spiritual blessing. Um, and I think what's really cool about this is that the, the psalmist knew that all good things come from God. And so he goes directly to the source, asking for God to provide for Israel, asking for God to bless Israel. Um, and then the third aspect is for uh, God to show Israel his face. And I think this is actually the greatest of, these, of this opening prayer because it combines both grace and blessing. Israel did not deserve to be in a relationship with God, you go ahead and put up uh, Deuteronomy 7, 7 up on the screen. Yeah, it says, this is in reference to God setting his affection on Israel. It says, the Lord did not set his affection on you, Israel, and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples. For you were fewest of all the nations. And so God did not choose Israel because they were great. He didn't choose them because they were powerful. He chose them because they were weak. And that's grace. Um, we don't deserve God, and yet he chooses us. Not because we earned it, but because... He loves us. Um, and the blessing of that in this uh, prayer and ask for God to show his face to Israel 
is that God gets to be in a relationship with Israel. And so we talked about blessings. Everyone loves a good gift, right? That's why people love Christmas. But the giver is greater than the gift. And so if God is giving himself, then that's the greatest thing you can ever get because he is the creator of all good gifts. And so he, he is therefore greater than all good gifts. And so what I love about this psalm is that uh, the psalmist doesn't ask these things of God because he wants more stuff. He doesn't ask these things of God because he wants to um, make Israel the greatest nation in all the world. He's asking these things of God because he wants God to bless Israel so that his ways are known across the world, as we see in verse 2. And so a couple of my guys this past weekend were going down to the Georgia and Florida game down in Jacksonville. Um, And they... We're driving through. I didn't graduate from, from UGA. I graduated from George Southern. Uh, and so Statesboro is a super small town, but if you know it, you know it. <laughs> um, and so they just texted me saying, hey, do you know any good places to get food? And so I immediately texted them, hey, you got to try out this place. It's called Seasons of Japan. If you haven't had Seasons, it's um, a quick hibachi-style restaurant. Um, while in college, I spent um, over $1,000 at Seasons of Japan. I know this because there's a rewards program, and I got 10 free meals for it. And so that, yeah. Um, so to say it was my favorite is, is kind of an understatement. I love Seasons of Japan. Um, and so the reason I wanted my guys to go there is because it's my favorite restaurant. I wanted them to experience my favorite food. Um, I wanted them to enjoy it and to share with me. And so y'all, y'all tell me how it went when, y'all, when I see y'all. Okay. Um, cool. And so that, that's, I bring this up, not because I'm, I love my guys, but also because that's how it is with God. We should desire for others to experience God. If God really is the greatest thing in our lives, then we should naturally just want to share him with others. Um, and this others doesn't just include the people around us, um, but it includes the nations as well. We should desire for the nations to see God because this gift we've been given, the gift of having a personal relationship with God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his son, should change how we view the world. It should change how we view God, and it should change how we view ourselves. Because God has so abundantly blessed us, we should desire to be a blessing to the nations. And so, what does that look like for you? What has God given you um, to be a blessing to the nations? Well, some of the blessings you don't think are blessings, but actually are. Maybe it's, you know, your family history, um, maybe it's your weaknesses. Um, maybe it's your degree that you're pursuing. There are so many opportunities and ways that God has blessed you to be a blessing to others. Um, and a lot of times we can think, oh, yeah, God's blessed me, and so I can do, do whatever I want with my blessings. I can be selfish with my gifts. But that's not the case. Um, there's no such thing as... Um, or you can't be selfish with your gifts because you didn't earn them. God's the one who gave them to you. And so he, therefore, can tell you how to use them. Um, as well as we also can think that, that we can be spectators, that we don't have to take or be a part of what God's doing, that we can sit on the sidelines and just hang out and let the other people do it. But that's not the case either because God's called all of us to go to the nations. God's called all of us to share the gospel with the people in our lives. There's people that you know that I can't reach, and so it's, it's up to you to reach them. Um, there's people I know that you don't know, and so it's up to me to reach them. Um, but yet, 
through all this, God is working. God is the one who, who works in us to draw the nations to himself and to draw our friends and family to himself too. The second point I wanted to, to talk on is the second stanza, which focuses more so on the nations. And so it's verses three through five. Um, and so it, it mentions these nations and all these peoples that we see. Um, but who are the nations? When we, as Americans, think of the nations, we think of you know, every country outside of the United States. But what did Israel, what did the psalmist think of the nations? And to the nations, to Israel, they were the people who were not descended from Jacob. And so that includes everyone else in the world. So if you, didn't, if you were not an Israeli um, or an Israelite, then you were considered to be the nations. You were a foreigner. And so this could have been their neighbors, the people who lived next door to them, who were foreigners in Israel. And it, could also, it was also the people who were halfway across the world who they would never see. And so that is the nations. And so this, what is the psalmist's sole desire for the nations, for the world? And it's for them to rejoice in the Lord. Um, in these three verses, it mentions, the psalmist mentions six times the nations worshiping God in some aspect. Um, which is crazy because this, he's like saying the nations need to worship God. The nations need to worship God. This is so important. Uh, I think verse 4 is the centerpiece of this psalm. It, it, is, it literally is in the center of Psalm 67. I'm going to read it for us again. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. I think this verse is very important because it shows us who God is. Um, the psalmist is um, not getting confused about who God is. He is saying that God is just, he rules people with equity, and he is loving. He guides the nations of the earth. And so he is a compassionate guide and a fair ruler. And so the psalmist wants the nations to worship God because he has seen who God is. He has seen the character of God, and he wants the nations to see it too. And so comparing God, Yahweh, um, is the Israel God, that's our God, um, comparing him to the surrounding gods of this time, he is completely different. He is all-powerful and all-loving. Um, you don't need to, as if you were here when Daniel talked, you don't need to sacrifice your child to be in a relationship with him. You don't need to jump through hoops to get his blessing or his favor. All God, does, all God says is be in a relationship with me. Just be. You don't have to do anything else. You can just be with me. Um, the last thing I want to talk about is verse 5. And so if, if you notice, verse 5 is a direct copy of verse 3. Uh, and so whenever, again, whenever we see repetition in the Bible, the author is saying, pay attention. This is important. What, what I'm talking about is so important. That's why I'm mentioning it twice. And so I think the reason the psalmist does this is to frame verse 4. If you had the whole psalm listed out, it goes in a format to where verse 4 is the pinnacle of the psalm. And so this is important because the psalmist wants the nations to be glad and sing for joy in the Lord. He wants the nations to find all of their joy, all of their hope, all of their satisfaction in God alone because he knows that's the only one and it's the only God that they can find all their joy and all their satisfaction in. And so I don't know what your relationship, what your relationship with your dad is like, but I love my dad. He's, he's great. <laughs> Um, I was just talking to him actually earlier today, but just growing up, um, I never was concerned about if my dad loved me or not. Through his actions and through his words, he made it very clear that he loved me, they cared for me, 
Um, he is um, loving and yet strong and firm. He was dependable, and I knew I could count on him. Um, I knew that he loved me not because of what I did or what I didn't do. I knew that he loved me because he loved me. Um, he loved me for being Flint, and that's just so sweet. Uh, I'm so thankful for that. Um, many of you have dads like that as well, you know, dads who you have a relationship with that reflects my own. Um, and some of you don't, and that's okay. Um, but realize this, that there's a Heavenly Father who is greater than your dad. Because there's a Heavenly Father who is perfect, um, who is not sin. I love my dad, but he's still a sinful man. Um, and yet, we have a Heavenly Father who is not. Um, he is lacking in nothing, but he provides abundantly for us. And his love is not dependent upon what we do, because we can never earn his love. We can never earn salvation. But God loves us because he loves us. God is love, First John 4. Um, so when I think of God's love for me, I am just undone. Why does he love me? I don't know, but he loves me. Okay. What about you? When you think of God and his love for you, do you say, woe is me? I am undone that God would do so much to love me. That he would send his son to die for me. I've done no- we've done nothing to deserve God. I deserve to be in a relationship with him. And yet he chooses us because he is love. And that is really cool. That is so different than what the world says. That is so different than what all these other gods say. And the nations need to know that. They don't know God. They don't know who he is. And he can meet all their needs. And so our desire for the nations should be to see all their needs met in God. We should see them rejoice in God. See how he is supreme in their lives. And so I think this desire, it can play out in a lot of different ways. Um, I think the psalmist gives us a beautiful example, which is prayer. Um, It's prayer week. Did not plan this. God is sovereign. (laughs) Um, But through prayer, we can take our desires to God. Prayer is not an afterthought. It's not a last resort. It is at the core of reaching the nations. Through prayer, we can reach the nations because God will reach the nations. Because we are asking and praying to the one who desires for the nations to know himself. Because only the Holy Spirit can reveal our needs for God. Only the Holy Spirit can reveal the needs of people to have a relationship with God. Ooh. Oh my goodness. Sorry, that was really nasty. All right, we're going to keep going. So Psalm 67, in the ending of it, it seems to end on kind of a random note, right? Have this thing about the land yielding its harvest, a prayer for God to continue to bless them, and something about fear. Um, so what's going on? We'll break it up verse by verse. So verse 6 is the, um, the psalmist confirming the blessings of God for Israel through the, the harvest and through the fields yielding their fruit. Um, so in our modern context, we think, okay, you have more corn, that's cool. Um, probably wouldn't write a psalm about it, but that's cool. But to Israel, they were an agricultural-based society, and so their entire culture 
was shaped around agriculture. Their entire society was dependent upon um, agriculture. And so for God to have blessed them and blessed their harvest will have far-reaching impacts throughout all of society and throughout the rest of the nations. And so this is a confirmation that God is at the core blessing the, the nation of Israel. Um, as well as then moving on to verse 7. The final verse kind of ends with the prayer for the continued blessing. And so then we get to this word, fear. So the ends of the earth will fear him. What does the psalmist mean when he says fear? Does he want the nations to be scared of God? Does he want them to be terrified? Um, I'm not going to try to pronounce the Hebrew word. I don't have it on the, on the slide because um, I don't speak Hebrew, so I can't pronounce the word. But translations are great, and commentaries are greater. Um, and so a couple of words, uh, ways it can be uh, reach, translated or other ways it can be translated, instead of fear, is to stand in awe or to revere or honor. And so godly fear is different than what the world's definition of fear is. If the, if the psalmist wanted the nations to be terrified of God, then he, he wouldn't say in verse 4, asking for the nations to rejoice and be glad in the Lord. Because you can't be happy and afraid, unless you really like scary movies, I guess. But in, in any case, you cannot be um, find your joy and your gladness in something that you're terrified of, terrified in the sense that it is going to kill you. Um, and so godly fear is knowing that God is all-powerful and almighty, but also that he is slow to anger and abounding in love. Um, and I think the reason the psalmist ends this way is because these last two verses are a culmination of the rest of the psalm. It just ties it up in a nice bow. Um, and the psalmist is also pointing to a day when all the nations will revere God. Um, Matthew 9, 37, 38, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He uses the same word. The, Lord is the land yields its harvest. And so one day, the psalmist is looking to a day when the harvest has been um, taken up. And so, I know everyone's been thinking about it. When's he going to mention the World Series? <laughs> right? No? Okay. Well, mentioning it now. So, if you know me, you know I'm not a big sports fan. You know I'm not a big baseball fan. I didn't grow up playing sp uh, baseball. Didn't really grow up watching baseball. Um, but, for some odd reason, I found myself watching the World Series this year. And I think that a lot of that has to do with the excitement and some of the guys in my small group, some of the excitement on some of the people on our staff team. It's just contagious. It, it leads, you know, seeing them having so much fun and excitement with this leads me to want to watch it. And so I've been watching, um, yeah, the World Series this past week. And so actually on, on Sunday night, we had a ISM pumpkin carving event, which um, you can throw the picture up on the screen. There's, we all made pumpkins. Yeah. And so... This was going on at the same time as the World Series, and I really enjoyed the time. I, I thought it was so much fun being able to fellowship with these different um, people from all across the world. Um, but I kind of realized as I was there, I was excited to go home and watch baseball, of all things. I was like, okay, this is new. Um, and I think the reason for this is because watching live sports, watching live events, is something special. You know, you get to experience uh, this one event that's going on uh, with others, either, you know, when they're in your living room watching the same event, 
or you get to experience it virtually as like you see the people in the crowd on TV. Because um, you get to you know, share in your victories, you get to rejoice together in your victories, but you also get to comfort one another when your team loses like they did on Sunday. Um, but maybe they'll win today. Uh, but here's the reality. With the World Series, with every sporting event that we watch, we're only spectators. We, us watching it does nothing to help the Braves win. I would know. I watched it on, on Sunday, and they lost. Right? But, but, there is a greater live event that's going on that we can be a part of right now. We're, we don't have to be spectators. We don't have to sit on the sidelines. We can join in with this live event. And that's taking the gospel to the nations, bringing the world to God. Um, and so we see that throughout Scripture. If you were here um, a couple weeks ago when the traveling team was here, we went from Genesis to Revelation, the entire Bible, and showed how God's desires for the nations to know himself. And so we see in the psalm, again, in verse 6, the culmination of this desire that God will bring the nations to himself. This isn't a hope. This isn't, you know, a wish or a dream. This is a reality that will happen. So the question isn't, will the nations come to know God? The question is, will you be a part of bringing the nations to God? Will you join in with what God is doing? Because God will bring the nations to himself. And so we should then, therefore, do all that we can to share him with the nations. So I wanted to conclude with two quotes that I think get to the, the core of Psalm 67. Um, they're both from someone I admire deeply. His name is John Piper. He's a pastor up in the northern parts of America. And so the first quote is this. Missions exist because worship does not. Yeah. Missions exist because worship does not. And so we see in our focus with sharing the gospel, it, should, it is not the nations. It is great that nations come to know God, but our primary focus is the worship of God. Our primary focus is God being glorified and magnified through all tongues, tribes, peoples, and nations. Um, that is the core of why we go. We go to glorify God. Because our, go- our goal with going to the nations should be for God to be glorified and magnified above all things. The second quote is from a sermon titled, Let the Nations Be Glad. It's a longer quote, but here it is. If you love the glory of God, and if you love people, you have three possibilities in regards to, to doing that. You can go, you can send, or you can disobey. And if you're not a conscious goer or a conscious sender, you're disobedient to the glory of God and to love. John Piper has some harsh words, right? Um, To take a moment, really reflect over that quote. Are you consciously going? Are you consciously sending? If you're doing neither, then you're being disobedient. Plain and simple. Uh, I'm not, I don't put those quote up there because I want to be like, ah, gotcha, feel condemned. No. I want to, I throw this quote up here because this is important. God desires to be glorified amongst all the nations. And if we do not go or send, we are saying God's desire comes second to ours. We are saying, I know what's best for the nations, and it's not God. And I have said that. I have not gone and I have not sinned before.
But God is gracious. He's going to accomplish this work, whether we're a part of it or not. And what's also great about the time that you're in right now is that you don't have to wait to be a goer or a sender. I know you're like, Flint, I can't send nobody. I got no money. I'm a college student. That's why I'm here. I'm trying to get a job so I can make money afterwards. Um, but I want to implore you that, again, from Scripture, that he is faithful with little will be faithful with much. So the little things that you have might seem so little, but God blessed the boy who brought him five loaves of bread and two fish and fed 5,000 people. God can bless the little you bring him because God is greater than our things. Um, as well as when people think of either going or sending, they typically think of the sender as maybe like the lazy part of, of going to the nations. They're like, oh, the true Christians go and the ones that are second rate kind of stay back. But that's not the case at all because if there's no one sending, then no one can go. The senders send essential, um, are people who provide essential supplies to the goers on the front lines. Without senders, the goers can't go. The senders are vital. They're a vital aspect and it's a vital call too. So, talking about, we talked about senders. So, what about going? Um, so, the reality is you, can, you don't have to go overseas to reach the nations while in college. You can reach the nations here and now. Um, as I talked about, we had our ISM, ISM event, which is short for International Student Ministry. So, in case you didn't know, 5% of UGA is international, with most of those being from the 1040 window, which is a place with little to no access with the gospel. They're here. The nations are here. We don't have to go overseas to reach them. We can reach them here today. Um, they're in our classrooms. They're in our dormitories. They're in the library. You can reach them. You can strike up a conversation, talk with them, become their friend, and share the gospel with them. But don't see them as projects. See them, see them as people because they're, they're people. There's also opportunities to go overseas, to go with, with us. We're going to be, as we talked about, after this meeting, we're going to be having a spring break interest meeting. And that's just to give you all more information on what it looks like to, to go with us over spring break, um, all these different trips. And I think it's really important. Um, if I didn't go to a, a meeting like that, I would not be up here today. And you're like, okay, Flint, that seems pretty severe. Um, but it's true. Uh, during my time in college, I was involved with crew down at Georgia Southern. And we partnered with this country in East Asia. And that's where we would send uh, students over the summer. And so one, one night, they had interest meeting. And I went on a whim. I was like, well, don't got anything else to do. Might as well go to this thing, hang out with some friends maybe. Um, but God ended up using that meeting and um, the Bible verse I read the next day was literally Matthew 9, 37 through 38. Um, those, that was the section I read. On the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So pray the Lord of harvest to go. And I was like, okay, God, well, that's not a more clear sign to go than I don't know what is. So I guess I'm going. Um, I had no desire to go. I did not want to be a goer or a sender. But yet God called me to, to go. And then God used that summer mission trip to call me to, into full-time missions with crew. And so I'm up here today because I went on interest meeting on a whim. God can use whims. He's in the business of using small little steps of faith.
Um, and so I became a goer. I, I was drawn out of my disobedience to become a goer. So what can God do with you? God can do the same for you. Um, yeah. I'm going to pray for our time as we close. Yeah, Lord, you are great. We desire to see you praised and known across the nations. We desire to see you glorified and magnified. We desire to see you lifted high in languages we can't, we don't know and can't pronounce. Um, we know that you are, are greater than us. You are greater than death itself because you, you died and yet rose on the third day. And so, Lord, I pray that you would use us, continue to make yourself known through us, continue to um, glorify yourself through um, our small steps of faith. We want to see you magnified and lifted up and made glorious across all the nations. Um, do this not for so we feel good about ourselves or so we feel like we are good, good Christians, but do this for your glory. Do this for your name. Make yourself known across the world. Praise the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.